The opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District or its employees. For more information about the Sewer District and its projects and programs, visit neorsd.org. The Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District presents Clean Water Works, a podcast that explores water, sewer, and stormwater issues that affect you and your community. Learn about the people, projects, and programs that are protecting your health and the environment here in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. Good. Do you know what we're talking about today? I don't know what's happening. Okay. I just got here. Uh-oh. Let me lay, lay the stage for you. Okay. That the, that's not the phrase. Set the stage? Set the stage. <laughs> I don't think you lay it. I think you set it. So today on Clean Water Works, we are going to learn a little bit about the history of Cuyahoga Heights, which is a neighborhood on the southeast side. It's a village. It's a village. The village of Cuyahoga Heights, <laughs> where our southerly wastewater treatment plant is located. Uh, just kind of an interesting place in general, even without our presence there. We're talking today with plant utility maintenance person, Danny Scheffler. Hi, Danny. Hello. Welcome to Clean Water Works. Thank you for having me. So in addition to being very familiar with the sewer district, you are somewhat of a scholar on the history of Cuyahoga Heights. I, uh, I was on the historical committee for a little while back in the early 2000s, and uh, was a history major in college originally, so it is a passion of mine and a hobby of mine. This has always been a topic that I loved because of having so many people um, in our area work for the sewer district uh, growing up, mm-hmm. dads, moms of kids I grew up with, uh, neighbors, so it's always been a passion of mine to know more. Mm-hmm. Um, the progression from Cuyahoga Heights originally being part of Newburgh Township, which at one point was the epic center, epicenter mm-hmm. of commerce greater than Cleveland. Really? Um, to a village of about 800 people mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of industrial-based uh, income. Is that how many people are in Cuyahoga Heights, 800 people? It's it's Tiny. roughly around there. I'm, wow. it, it is small. Um, there's only a little over 250 houses in the village itself. Mm-hmm. And when you were growing up, you pretty much knew everyone? Oh, you knew everyone to the point where if you didn't wave or say hi to someone, your mom knew about it by the time you got home. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Mrs. Humphrey, my next-door neighbor, she would pull into her driveway. She went to Drug Mart every single day. Mm-hmm. Every day. But you knew she was pulling in and you ran to go help her carry your groceries in because that's just what you did. Mm-hmm. It was a very close-knit community. Um, a lot of people were related to each other, too, so you never said anything bad about anyone because you never knew. Mm. 
Which always was the joke, too, and you never dated in the school because you never knew you might be a cousin to someone. Yeah, I grew up on East 71st Street, and my family uh, owned a tavern on the corner of Grant and 71st in the 40s. Mm -hmm. Tom Johnson, do you know who that is? The mayor and like during the boom when we were yeah. the sixth city and all that stuff, his statues. Yeah. Uh, he had a cottage in Kaga Heights where Charter Steel is. And he had a trout pond there, and he would fish. And which is funny to think that Kaga Heights was the country, yeah. And that was to get like where you went to go relax in the country. It was all farmland. Where Alcoa is was all farmland. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the history of that area. Then um, you mentioned it was part of Newburgh Heights. Most of the area were townships, and they were vast. There was Independence Township. There was Newburgh Township. Um, but the Newburgh Township. Uh, the town center is still there, and if you drive through the Union Miles area, East 93rd and Miles, mm -hmm. there is a, uh, a town square, which you can tell it looks like an old-fashioned town square. There's a Cleveland Public Library building. There's a church. There's a Masonic temple. There's actually more than one church there. Um, and, it, and it makes the town square, and there's a green area, and that's Miles Park. Newburgh Township, and I'm going to say Cleveland Township because I don't know what it's called. It might have been called Cuyahoga Township for all I know. Um, they were battling on uh, who was going to have the county seat. So Cleveland won. Mm -hmm. And the reason they won is they had the river right there mm -hmm. and they had the lake access. So the rails were coming in. That was a big thing. So Newburgh kind of faded into this small little obscure township eventually becoming most of it becoming part of cleveland southeast mm -hmm. neighborhoods mm -hmm. but that left little sections of it you know independence township was independence brexville things like that there was Kaga heights which would become which would break eventually off from newburgh heights newburgh heights became a village and then there was some issues believe it or not about sanitary issues and sewers it was farmland, sure, but they said, hey, we have people living here. We have homes. We want water. We want sewers. Mm -hmm. Basic things that we take for granted now. But they're like, yeah, we're tired of dirt roads and half-paved roads. I mean, East 71st Street, which was Brexville Road at the time, mm -hmm. um, was just gravel. So they split off in 1917 at a guy named uh, Hammersley, which is a fun name, in his backyard. And they met in a barn. I think there was like 17 or 18 of them. They met in 1917 and formed the Willow Township. And they broke away. They were like, we're done. We're done with Newburgh. Mm -hmm. And with them, they took the Newburgh Heights Village Hall. Mm -hmm. And all that area was surrounded by these landowners who were like, no, nope, we're leaving. We're taking everything south of Grand Avenue. And in 1918, they became an official village. Originally, it was just like anything else. It was, you know, glacier cutouts, things like that, uh, rolling hills. So where East 49th Street is in Kaga Heights, that was always a higher area. Mm -hmm. And then where East 71st Street is located, that was a higher area. So there was a valley separating the two. And in that valley is obviously where Southerly is located now. And then this is during a time when... Railroads can do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. they, this is the Vanderbilts. This is all that stuff. This is, hey, we're taking your land. This is you know, eminent domain. We need it. The rail is more important to the economy of the United States than your family farm. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot of that during the rail expansion out west. The railroad came in, and they started filling 
they started using Jumbo, which is a movable railroad trestle, and they would back the train on there, and these carts full of dirt would just dump them, creating what now is looks like it should have been there the whole time. You know, it's, it's there's trees around that area and a sloping hillside. Right. So if you're driving down uh, Canal Road down to Southerly, you're you're coasting down a, a man-made. Hill. Exactly. Yeah. And they would just move that trestle along as they needed to mm-hmm. and just keep filling until they were able to reach the other side. I mean, this is 1906. This is Cleveland is the sixth city at that point. They are the sixth largest city in the country. Over a million people living in Cleveland proper at that point. Tom Johnson's mayor. He's he's the group plan is in effect. He is you know he is running things and he is expanding. So it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Radway family owned most of that land, and they came to the area around 1841. So we're talking pre Civil War. The Radways really didn't stand a chance when it came to the city of Cleveland. At this point, they already lost half their farm, and. Cleveland's expanded. It's huge. We need this stuff to go someplace. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, Southerly is at a low point in Cuyahoga County. So they built sewers to a low point in a valley, and this was perfect. It was just south of, you know, downtown. Mm-hmm. It was farmland that was just ripe for the taking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Southerly Wastewater Treatment Plant was designed in 1924. The city of Cleveland began construction in 1927, and it opened in 1928. The Mellon Stewart Company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was the general contractor for $2,659,211. So this was this was sewage treatment. This was not wastewater treatment we saw today. This is, we're going to get as much solids as we can out of them. We're going to put them on some sand beds. We're going to dry it out. We're going to haul it out. We're going to put it on a landfill. And we're just going to keep pushing whatever's coming out of that water right back into the river. Mm -hmm. There was no concern of fish life. There was no concern of what we're introducing to the streams from the sewers. There was none of that back then Mm -hmm. because we weren't advanced enough. There was um, a big boom build in the 30s. Um, They added incineration in 1938. So, hey, we're not just hauling this stuff across the road and kind of just throwing it on the ground. We're going to also burn it. Mm-hmm. So what's that smell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the barbecue. It's, it's, it's southerly. They're, they're cooking. Um, we added activated sludge secondary treatment in 1955, uh, vacuum filters in 1960. Uh, post-1960, the growth was just huge. Ike Kennedy, Isaac Kennedy, was the second mayor of Cuyahoga Heights. He served from, I want to say, 1931 to 1945, so he, he made it through the war. In the 1930s, we had the Great Depression. There was no work. The mayor said, listen, I put this treatment plan in here for you. We, you know, we approved it. It smells bad. People need work. You need to hire people from Cuyahoga Heights, the residents here, to work at Southerly. And so a contract was was written up with the city of Cleveland and Cuyahoga Heights that 40% of the workforce would come from residents of Cuyahoga Heights. So the big joke always was there was two languages, English and Italian. All these immigrants from Italy that lived in Cuyahoga Heights were at one point working in the brickyards, which is what brought them there. 
you know, they're they're coming from working in the Tuscan Tuscany area and in mining mining uh, for marble and same thing brick making all these things, and they came here and said we can use our skill our trade and make a living in, in the United States. So they came here, and then the brickyard started to shut down. The economy wasn't there. People really weren't building. Um, bricks were being manufactured differently. It wasn't so much piece by piece with mm-hmm. hands. It was, hey, we created a machine that's going to stamp these bricks out and put them in the oven. So Ike Kennedy said, you need to hire our people. They need jobs. They have families, miles of feet. So Kaga Heights was different for the Depression. Like They felt it because there was rationing and things like that. There was things just not available. But the folks that lived there had jobs. They were able to build a half a million dollar school, which is a lot of money in 1938, from all the industry. So this guy, because of his style and old style politics of handshake deals, things like that, things that are taboo today, was able to get all this stuff for Kaga Heights. And one of them was work, and that's what they needed. People needed income. People needed to provide for their families. That was dissolved, though, when the sewer district came around because when the sewer district came around, you realized you can't have a contract that says you have to hire 40% of my workforce from your town. <laughs> Who does that? So they bought the contract out, and they took that money for a number of years, and they used the interest off of that that they invested to pay the sewer bills for all the residents. Mm-hmm. So I did hear that there was some kind of explosion. Well, there was two that I can really pinpoint. One in the mid-70s, I want to say around 76, 77. That was a blower building, um, and it caused uh, an explosion to take out a good section of the building. They're really scary. Just to give you an idea of what I'm looking at, I'm looking at buildings that have, like, no roof, and there's twisted metal everywhere. Yeah, the equipment that's just mangled. It's in what we call first stage at Southerly. Yeah, I can see the Southerly tanks. And there used to be aeration tanks there. And those were the blower building is what you know fed the air mm-hmm. to those tanks. Somehow the fuel flowed back through the drain system into a running blower. Oh, the high temp no. and pressure set the fuel off. The blowers had huge diesel engines, um, the size that you might see on a ship. But it wasn't the only explosion to happen. In 1990, there was two deaths from that. Um, Mark Swiger, he was 24 years old. Oh, he just started the district, young family. And Robert and Jockey, who was 54, he was a shift supervisor. That's a tragedy that's still never been really solved. No one knows exactly what happened, but it was um, the perfect combination for a disaster. In one of the photos, you'll see a giant methane ball. We used to store methane gas down there. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous, very volatile. But we also had natural gas lines running through the tunnels. Um, because a lot of natural gas was used for a lot of the process. And so there's, on these pipes, these giant pipes, there's what we call drop legs. So the oil that would come from natural gas, that, that like almost like a condensation, right. would pool at the bottom of these lines. Mm-hmm. So these drop legs were just opened up, and you would let whatever oil was in there drain out. Mm-hmm. Someone allegedly, because I don't know the full story, there's theories, unscrewed a lot of these and let the gas out and the alarms were going off that there was a gas leak and Bob and Jockey was on the other side of the plant but he was an old boiler guy so he's like oh I'll go over and help Mm -hmm. 
Mark Swagger, he wasn't supposed to work that night. He was working overtime so someone could go to a wedding. So he said, yeah, I'll cover the shift. I think he was only on three months. He was a new guy. And Bob said, hey, come on over with me. Let's go take a look at this. You can learn something. And what a fire and explosion needs is oxygen. And when they opened up up the the door, door. Mm. the right amount of oxygen rushed in there that blew them back into the channel. You never know. It's a dangerous job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's that's why we have safety rules. And I think when we think of... Uh, dangerous jobs, you don't always think wastewater treatment. But mm. no, I mean, there's there's so many industrial hazards that you can come across. You read about it in the news all the time. And and I say all the time, and I say at least 10 times a year, you find out about uh, someone, a contractor or a government agency that goes into a sewer mm. unprepared, and H2S is present. You know, it's it's a dangerous gas. It's a gas that you smell for about three seconds, and after mm-hmm. that, your nose goes blind. You don't smell it anymore. So you go, oh, that's a weird smell. It's like a rotten egg smell. That's mm-hmm. weird. But really what it's doing now is it's suffocating your lungs. You just pass out like that. And it's hard to save someone from that. Our buildings used to only have building alarms for gas meters. And one of the things we said is needed is we need an alarm that we can clip on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I always said this when I was in operations because I'm walking to a building, especially at night shift. When I was working nights, there's only a dozen people in that plant mm-hmm. that are running the plant at night. I might not see someone for a couple hours. They might not know about me having an incident or mm-hmm. an emergency until shift change when they're like, hey, where's my... Mm-hmm. So having the new alarm systems we have, which are that you wear them on you and you, there's also a pull tab where you can pull it and there's an emergency. So if you feel yourself becoming lightheaded, you can pull that or if you're having a heart attack or so, anything that could happen. Or you find yourself in, in something that's collapsed or you fall. You can pull that and it'll give a GPS to say, hey, there's an emergency over in this location of the mm-hmm. plant. The tunnels from the 30s are still there, which is been, neat. Yeah, They're so cool. Mm-hmm. You you know you wear your hard hat for a reason at Southerly because they're small tunnels and I always joked it must have been because the people were shorter back <laughs> in the 1930s mm-hmm. um, and there's random little rooms off there and like oh what was this room and you know and that was an operator's office I'm like it's a room in a tunnel with no windows <laughs> and a table and a chair and a little radio oh. like a mole just yeah. <laughs> Those tunnels, and uh, in addition to Lakeview Dam, were used as uh, a filming site for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, they. Uh, I believe that's when um, Samuel Jackson's character was. Oh my! Am I giving away the plot? Oh yeah, no, oh. no spoilers. Oh, no boy. spoilers. Uh-oh. Sam Jackson was in the movie. That's he was enough. in the movie, yeah. and he may have been in that room. And. There is a wall with a lot of signatures on it. Yeah, got autographs so, from the cast. Autographs yeah. from the cast, yeah. So, was it Chris Evans? That's who Captain America is, I think. I want to learn more about growing up in Cuyahoga Heights and the fact that it was, it did resemble, at least in the beginning, something of a company town. It is like a company town because when I was growing up, uh, <laughs> A lot of the firefighters and police officers also live there. So your neighbors, they they worked for the police department. They worked for the fire department. They worked for the service department. They worked at the schools. A lot of the uh, 
the nonas in the neighborhood, the, the Italian grandmas, were the cleaning staff in the evening at the schools. Mm-hmm. So you'd see them walk up at, you know, you're walking home from school and they're walking to work and they're there till 10 o'clock at night and then you'd see them walking home. You know, it's, yeah. but then other people work for the sewer department, uh, sewer district. You know, we go through waves of employment, just like we go through waves of population. The baby boom era, you know, the baby boomers were now getting jobs in the 70s and 80s at the sewer district and their parents were retiring, right? Mm-hmm. So the joke was you either became a fireman, a policeman, or you worked for the sewer district. I mean, that's... Yeah, I think Mayor Bocci was a police officer before he... He was, yeah. Before, yeah, Mayor Bocci, yeah. who's on the board here, mm-hmm. he, um, he was a detective. He was a patrolman and a detective uh, for 16 years before becoming... The mayor and his dad was the mayor, but there's lots of retired sewer district employees that you know live in Cuyahoga Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanics, managers, all sorts of different jobs, and we still have a current sewer district employee who's been around almost close to the start of the sewer district, which is Frank Shushu. Mm-hmm. He was our first interview. He was our first. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. I, apparently, you're not listening to the podcast. Not listening to the podcast now. <laughs> I'm working my way through uh, early church and uh, history of England right now. I got a lot of podcasts. Oh, wow, on that my sounds okay. So, so riveting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, oh, so, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> you yourself uh, came to work at the sewer district. So I was working for the city of Lakewood in the police department, and I was working in as a corrections officer in the jail system. And what happened was we had someone who. Um, was on a substance and had superhuman strength at the time because of that substance. And when we were booking him into jail, he broke free. And I got thrown up against the wall and was bruised up. And I and I came home and I was telling my then wife that, um, you know, what happened. She's like, you need to find a different job. She's like, you have young kids, you know, um, and she's like, what about the sewer district? We live right down the street from it. So I applied and I got in (laughs) and haven't regretted it at all since. Well, that's good. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. And I've met even more amazing people. It's been, it's been a fun ride so far. Speaking of everyone knowing everyone in Cuyahoga Heights, are you, do you know Leanne who works at city hall? Oh, you mean my sister-in-law? Okay. That's Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And her husband is the deputy police chief for the town. Okay. And my brother. Okay. I yeah. was like looking at your last name, and I was like, I know that last name. Yeah. My my mom. <laughs> She's great. My She's mom really worked nice. at the school. She was the head lunch lady. Oh. My her uncle was like the gym teacher. He's still the pole vaulting coach. Oh wow. He's eighty seven. Okay. He's you still, know, if you can still swing coaching it. pole vaulting, so it's like you know our family's definitely ingrained there, and it's it is a great community, and because I think there's so many people connected there. You have that sense of family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from my parents' backyard, you see Southerly. Mm. You know, if you stand on their deck and just kind of look out and you see all the LED lights that are, oh, yeah. you know, lighting up the plant. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like a little city. Yeah. So if you want to see something majestic, go down during the snow to Southerly and just watch the snowfall from Southerly. Because you're in an industrial setting, not industrial, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that commercialized setting where there's all these lights and these tanks, and you're watching the snowfall. It's just really cool how it, the light hits it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of majestic. Yeah. And then you realize you're at the sewer district. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for coming in and sharing this uh, little bit of me. Cuyahoga Heights history and your own experience growing up there. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it was great meeting you. 
Did you know eligible customers can save up to 40% on their sewer charges? Learn more about the Sewer District's cost-saving programs and use our discount calculator at neorsd.org save or call 216-881-8247. That's neorsd.org save or 216-881-8247. Clean Waterworks is produced by the Communications and Community Relations Department at the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. Our music was composed and performed by G.S. Shrey. If you have a question or suggestion, or if you'd like to learn more about the Regional Sewer District, visit neorsd.org or call 216-881-8247.